following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. Glad to have you with us this morning. Whether you're here in the building or joining us online or watching this next Tuesday, I'm just uh, grateful to be with you all. Um, we're back in the Gospel of Mark <laughs> this morning, chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 16 through 47, and that's page 852 in the Pew Bibles, if that's helpful to you. Um, the the gospel writers uh, include many words that Jesus spoke from the cross. Um, there are seven last words of Jesus, phrases really, but maybe you've heard of that before. But Mark only records one. Um, that's not to say that the Lord Jesus was inactive. Um, in truth, Jesus on the cross is facing his final temptation. So let's pray and then we'll get right into the word. Father, we are grateful to be able to gather around your word this morning, wherever we might be. We're grateful that you have preserved your word for us, that we can read these words and know that they are your words, that you have spoken them by your Holy Spirit. So we ask you, Lord, now to speak to us by your Holy Spirit, that you would show us what you want us to see this morning, that you would make the changes in our own hearts and lives that are necessary to make us more like Jesus. We give you this time for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure you are all expecting me to talk a lot about St. Valentine this morning, but quite frankly, I forgot. So let's look at our text in Mark instead, verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verses 16 through 47. Now, if you were here with us last week, you uh, may remember that Jesus had been tried before Pilate. That's in English, Pilate. Um, sorry. And though uh, Pilate found no guilt in Jesus, in order to keep the peace, he handed Jesus over to be scourged and crucified. And we pick up the story right there in verse 16. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, 
but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha! You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we might see and believe. And those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. There were also women, women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the younger and of Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid it in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. <clears throat> There's been a million songs written about this beautiful, tragic event. One that we sing quite often here is how deep the Father's love for us. And in that song, there is a beautiful line. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. It was my sin that held him there. And that's true, kind of. More accurately, it was his will that held him there until it was accomplished. 
It was his trust in the Father, in the purpose for his suffering, that held him there on the cross. Jesus' life on earth, like ours, was plagued with temptation. And these last few agonizing hours were no different. See, we read the Gospels and say, well, Jesus' temptation started at the be- that was just at the beginning of his ministry, remember, when Satan is like, hey, turn this rock into a Twinkie, it'll be great, and jump off the temple and fly, it'll be awesome. Bow down and worship me, I'll give you the whole world. We think that was the temptation of Jesus, because that's what the heading says. Well, that's not when it ended, for sure. It continued. He was tempted in every way that we are tempted, yet did not sin. That's really important. Otherwise, his death for us is not quite uh, so fulfilling. If he did not live in every way that we live, and was tempted in every way that we are tempted, yet did not sin, that does not make him a perfect sacrifice. Right? That's very important. And these last few hours was the last temptation of Jesus on earth. The soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion. Do you know how many people that is? The whole battalion. What's your flannel graph picture look like? Four guys in a group holding the spears and the shields, right? It's like 600 people. That's a battalion, a Roman battalion, 600 men. I don't know if it's really the whole battalion or if that's a generalization written by Mark, but a lot of people, a lot of soldiers, and they clothed him in a purple cloak. Some of the gospel writers say scarlet. That's not a contradiction, just in case you are wondering. A worn out, this is a worn out soldier's uh, cloak um, thrown away. Um, purplish, reddish, worn out. Okay. And they twisted together a crown of thorns and they put it on him and they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. And they're striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. This, this is the creator of the universe. And he allowed his creation to mock him and to abuse him. To dress him up as a fake king. And kneel down to him in fake homage. To drive thorns into his brow. And strike his head with a scepter they made to mock him. At any point in this horrible scene. At any point. Jesus could have just said enough. Stop it. And they would have stopped. He could have snapped his fingers and they are gone. But he did not. He could have been transfigured before their eyes and destroyed them all with a word. But instead, he humbled himself. He resisted the temptation to show those soldiers That he really is the king. That he really was the Christ. But he chose not to do that because that's not why he came. 
And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Simon and his family were in town for Passover. Cyrene is in North Africa, which is interesting to me. Um, um, but I won't talk about it. This sermon is long enough already. Um, but uh, Simon, Alexander and Rufus being named by name is significant. Alexander and Rufus were well known in the first century church. Rufus is mentioned in one of Paul's letters, which is interesting. Um, but anecdotal. So we keep moving. Golgotha, the place where Jesus was crucified, was just outside the northern wall of the city of Jerusalem, the old city. The place of the skull or place of a skull or the skull. You've also heard it called Calvary, I imagine, and which is based on Latin word for skull. So if you like Latin, Calvary might appeal to you. But if you're like us and prefer Aramaic, Golgotha is for you. <laughs> Sorry. Some scholars, again, just anecdotal here. Some scholars believe that Golgotha was the burial place of Adam. And how ironic it would be that the blood of the last Adam would trickle down onto the skull of the first. Again, I think probably just a little romantic, not very realistic. Um, it would be fitting, though. Other scholars believe that, in fact, Mount Moriah, which is where Jerusalem is built, this is where Abraham offered up his son Isaac until God provided a ram for sacrifice instead. I suppose it's possible. Today, there are two places that scholars believe could be the Golgotha, uh, written here in the gospel. One is referred to as Gordon's Calvary, which apparently they prefer Latin. Uh, you can still see that place in Jerusalem today if you stand in the parking lot of the bus station. can look up and see a rocky hill that kind of looks like a skull. Um, the other is inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Again, more Latin. Sepulchre means cave, the burial place of Jesus inside this building. It's believed to house the tomb as well as the place where Jesus was crucified. There's nothing left of the tomb, incidentally. Pilgrims came over the last 2,000 years and would take a piece of it home. It doesn't take very many trips in before you've taken the whole thing away. The, the early church carved out all around the tomb itself so that the tomb could be in the middle of the building. And now there's a little... Uh, I don't know what to call it, the building within the building over where the tomb was, but inside there isn't anything left. I've been inside of there. Neat place. Very strange. Lots of gold. Not what I imagine. But they didn't ask about my flannel graph pictures when they built it. <clears throat> Regardless, uh, where if it's Gordon's Calvary or the site at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, when Jesus was brought there, was already battered and bleeding from the scourging and then the abuse from the soldiers. 
is unable to carry the beam of his cross. The paintings and the pictures show Jesus carrying the entire cross, the cross beam as well as the pole. Well, that's not how they did it. They would, they would force the victim to carry just the cross member on his shoulder because the post was already in place and hoist him up with ropes. But a flannel graph doesn't uh, give you that picture. Either way, he did not have the strength to carry the beam of the cross. He was offered wine mixed with myrrh. And this was a potion that would dull his senses and lessen his pain. And that's why he refused it, if you've ever wondered. Why didn't he take the drink? It was drugged. It was a sedative. He resisted the temptation to ease his suffering. And instead, he faced the cross with all his faculties intact. None of the gospel writers go into great detail about the actual act of crucifixion. Mark, least of all, he uses four words, and they crucified him. And those were the only words he needed. Mark's Roman audience, the original recipients of this word, would have been fully aware of the horrors of crucifixion. They would have seen it before. It's the most humiliating, painful, and inhumane way to kill a person. Where the victim dies either of slow suffocation and exhaustion, or as in Jesus' case, the victim bleeds to death. But in most cases, it was a slow death. Slow enough for Jesus to continue to face the temptation to make it stop. Verse 24. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And when they had crucified, uh, and with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha! You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. You remember that accusation, right? It got around. Save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying he saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the king of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Save yourself. Come down from the cross. Come down now so that we may see and believe. Jesus continued to face the temptation to make this horror stop. To show them that he really was the Messiah that they wanted. To show with miraculous power that he did not have to be subject to this punishment. But he resisted that temptation because that's not why he came. The two men that were crucified on either side of Jesus in our text were called robbers. Anybody remember anyone else who was called a robber recently in this text of Mark? 
Barabbas, the son of the father. These two were murderers and insurrectionists, just like Barabbas. And Jesus was given the chief place among the three of them, Barabbas' place. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he's calling Elijah. Now your flannel graph picture, what time of day is this? Sixth hour, right? 6 p.m. Must be evening. Nope. Um, The Jewish day went from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Zero hour being 6 a.m. Making the sixth hour here in our text noon. Um, We used to sing a song called um, Beautiful Scandalous Night know that song? Um, you remember that? Oh, yeah, oh, it's wrong. This did not happen at night. This was the middle of the day. This was noon. The sky went dark at noon. Jesus cried out from the darkness the opening words of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from my words of my groaning? O God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb, you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me and they open wide their mouths at me. Like a ravening and roaring lion, I am poured out like water and my bones are all out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Have you ever wondered why God made the lights go out? Why darkness covered the land? 
It's because God said he would. Every part of this horrific scene was planned from the beginning. Amos chapter 8, your favorite book. Amos 8, 9 through 10 says about this day. And on that day, declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head. I will make it like the morning for an only son and the end of it like a bitter day. That's this day. This was the plan from the beginning. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. At that last cry, the last cry of Jesus, it is finished. The debt that mankind owed to God for sin had been paid. And God himself tore the veil of the temple from top to bottom. The way to God is now open wide to everyone. There was no longer any need for sacrifices and the blood of bulls and rams to be offered over and over and over again. The sacrifice had been made. There's a lot to be said about this. But Easter's coming. I didn't want to use all this material up. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10, start at verse 19. And I'll, I'll close with this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one, and up, stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Jesus resisted the final temptation to make the suffering stop, to veer away from God's plan, to make this mockery end, to come down from the cross and prove that he was Messiah and the people would believe in him. But that's not why he came. He came to suffer. He came to be mocked. He came to be crucified because he is Messiah. 
He is the only one who could open the new and living way for us to draw near to God in full assurance of faith through his own flesh. He didn't just come to be believed in. He came to be the sacrifice. And he was the perfect sacrifice. He didn't turn from God's plan. He embraced it for you. Let's pray. Father, how could we ever say thank you enough? What word could we use to express our gratitude for being our sacrifice, to pour out your own blood on that hill so that the sins of mankind could be washed away I thank you, Father, that you don't require repayment from us. You just ask us to come to you through the new and living way that you yourself made possible in full assurance of faith. So may that be the lesson that we learned this morning. Those of us that have put our trust in you, that have had our sins washed away. May we continually come to you and boldly into your throne room through the new and living way that you made for us through the curtain of your flesh. And Father, if there's anyone who has heard this message this morning who does not know you, does not know this new and living way, May they cry out to you, seek your forgiveness, and enter boldly into your throne room through faith in Jesus Christ. Who, though he was in the very form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, came in the likeness of a servant, and became obedient to death, even death on the cross, for our sin. And we are forever grateful. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.